Join Rowdy and Kyle every Monday and Thursday night for another episode of the Rowdy Magalite Show. Sponsored by On Tire Tailgate System. All right, race fans. Let's get rowdy. The next 60 minutes will be two men talking one thing and one thing only. Racing. From the third tracks of the Carolinas to the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega, no race is too big or small for this duo. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our hosts, Rowdy Maglite and Kyle Magda. This is the Rowdy Maglite Show. All right, everyone. I'd like to welcome you back to Thursday night edition of the Rowdy Maglite Show, guys. Happy Father's Day weekend coming up here, guys. With that being said, we're doing the best, some of the best of our shows this year since the uh, 2023 NASCAR season started. Uh, tried to focus pretty much. We're going to focus on Ricky Stenhouse at Daytona, uh, William Byron, his win. Uh, he's got three. Also, Kyle Busch with his three wins. But, guys, you know, uh, it's all about Father's Day for us. Uh, you know, being a father special, I have two kids, uh, grown grown kids now, uh, a daughter and a son. But uh, here's this young man. I've known him since 13. He's already got one child and another one on the way, Chandler Smith. Let's just... Listen to Chandler just a few minutes. This is like a four-minute four deal. Chandler Smith. Uh, a lot. Uh, when you get a win going into any type of weekend, it just boosts the whole team morale. Um, and just winning, winning solves everything, right? So we definitely have momentum on our side. We got a good group of races coming up for our our team individually. So with that being said, I think we're in a good place. All of them, to be honest with you. I'm really excited about all of them. I'm really happy with the playoff schedule this year. Yeah, I don't like Martinsville. I mean, it's weird because my background short track racing, but, like, I don't like Martinsville in the trucks. I've never drove in anything else, but there's just not enough power to be, like, short track racing. Like, at IRP, we'll probably spin tires a little bit here and there. That's, like, short track racing to me. Um, Martinsville is just beating and banging who can drive through who more. <laughs> How do you um, keep your emotions in check going into the playoffs, not think too much about it and just go, hey, i got to keep my head down and go do my job? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really faithful. I feel like I am very vocal on where my faith is and stuff. And with that being said, i just got to be real with myself and know at the end of the day that whatever happens was in the will for me, you know what I mean? And that was God's plan for me. And if it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't meant to be simple as that. So, okay. Well, thank you. Chandler, you said, you know, you're not a fan of short tracks in the trucks, but, you know, playoffs open with three of them, four with IRP Richmond and, and uh, Bristol. So, you know, how, 
how do you do that? How do you sort of keep yourself like, okay, let's just try to get through this? Yeah, no, I love short track racing. I love short track racing, especially in the trucks. I was just saying that um, with the engine package and stuff that we have in the truck series, it's not kind of, and how heavy the trucks are. Um, they're not as, um, you don't have the same short track racing mentality, feel, uh, balance and stuff like that as you do like where I'm accustomed to. Super late model race and light, uh, a lot of horsepower, uh, spinning tires like crazy, a lot of tire falls. You don't really have that in truck racing that much. But I do enjoy short track racing a lot in the, in the Camping World Truck Series. There's just some short tracks like Martinsville where um, it's just different. It's just different. Like you can drive through people there and it's just like you can't do that at a place that like IRP or uh, Richmond. I mean you can, but there's like... Martinsville, you pay a huge penalty for that if you're on the wrong end of the stick. Yeah, and you've been great at Phoenix. You won at Phoenix last year, but yep. weren't eligible for the title. So going into going for this year, you know, you, you seem to be. If you get to that point, you would seem to be the favorite. So how do you? What's going to be the biggest aspect in your playoff run that's going to help you get to that point? Yeah, uh, kind of just to answer that a little bit. Just like I said before, I'm really faithful. If, it, if we don't make it to Phoenix, it wasn't meant to be. If we make it, then it was obviously meant to be. So. Um, just chugging along, thankful for the opportunity, and look forward to it. Thank you. What's up? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. I like the playoff schedule for sure. Um, you know, winning at Pocono, we got a lot of momentum on our side, which is good for anybody. Um, but for us, we have a lot of it more than others, I feel like, right now. So I feel like we're in a really good place. I'm excited. Um, going back to IRP, kind of back to the Truck Series roots is really cool um, to be a part of that and a small fraction of it. I've been there three times in the Arkham Menard Series, one twice. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, everything, to be honest with you. I mean, the cars and the trucks, I mean, to an extent are similar, right? But um, they're not in their own ways, too. So taking it with a grain of salt, experience is experience at the end of the day. So, yeah, thank you. All right, guys, Chandler Smith. Uh just a little old four and a half minute interview, not much to it. But guys, uh, you know, big story starting the year out Daytona. I was there. We we do the the show down in the fan zone every year. Getting ready now for the Coke. Uh, actually, it's the Coke Zero Four Hundred. So uh, that's in August, last weekend of August. I already turned in my credentials. I'll have tickets like always. We'll be doing the uh, trivia. So usually it's uh, six pair for Saturday and six on Sunday. So, But I believe this is a Saturday race to Coke 400. So anyway, I'll have uh, tickets for that. But uh, guys, it's been kind of a tough season for Ricky after uh, the Daytona win. So... Uh, Let's uh, bask in Ricky and Victory Lane here, guys, and his crew chief. Joined on the stage by the 2023 Daytona 500 champion, Ricky Stenhouse, driver of the number 47 Kroger 
Cottonell Chevrolet for JTG Doherty Racing. Uh, just give us your thoughts about winning the Great American Race, Ricky. Uh, man, I think back to really all week, but really think back to this morning. Um, I woke up and felt really, really good about the day. I was, I normally don't get nervous, but I was a little, little nervous, uh, but like anxious and excited, ready to go. Um, my wife and I, Madison, we went in the gym and did a small little workout just to, to get going this morning. And, um, you know, just, you know, felt relaxed, uh, felt good about, about the day. Um, knew our car was strong after Friday's practice. Um, Mike and uh, our engineers made some really good adjustments after the duels uh, on Thursday and, and felt really good about our car. We did two 20-lap runs and, and stayed on the same set of tires for, for that practice session on Friday night and, and felt good with, with the adjustments that we made, and, and it, the car did everything that I needed it to do. Uh, the only thing that we didn't have when we started the race was track position. Uh, we started 31st, and first stage I felt like was getting a little hectic up front, and it was just kind of a parking lot. We were just you know side by side for for the whole stage, and so we just kind of rode around and um, just kind of watched it. And then we got track position there in the second stage, was able to get some points. Felt like uh, you know we might have got snookered a little bit there on you know, the strategy a lot pitted, uh, but, you know, it was nice to get up front and learn what the car was doing up front, uh, which I think was beneficial for, you know, once we, you know, had those restarts late and, you know, once, once, uh, we sped on pit road, I kind of thought our race was over, uh, but felt like the good Lord was watching out for us. I was serving the penalty and, uh, and then all of a sudden they had a, you know, big wreck right there, kind of where we were running, uh, getting in turn one. So, that gave us a second chance, and I knew that uh, my team was Tuesday's meeting was not going to be very good because uh, we preached all all season about not beating ourselves, and, and there I went speeding on pit road, um, just trying to get uh, really wasn't trying to get everything out of it, but uh, got a little too much, and so I felt like once the caution came out, I really had to kind of put my elbows up and and get back to the front to give us another shot to win uh so I at least could you know tell my guys that that we had a shot to win and you know once it once we got up there you know the 8 3 24 and myself um obviously we cleared the 17 and 6 and and put all Chevys in the top 4 and then I was blocking the 22 and he got up underneath me and I kind of thought our race was over at that point and then we had that restart um the 17-6 chose the bottom, which kind of shocked me a little bit. Uh, gave us uh, the sixth starting position behind the 22. And with the 8-3 and three on the front row, I thought that they might try kind of the old school restart of, you know, pulling down in front of each other. And I knew that that would give our outside lane a huge run off of two. Uh, Kyle was pushing me like crazy down the backstretch. And I waited just long enough to, to go to the bottom once he was clear as well. And that gave us the lead. I was hoping we were going to get back to the wide at that moment, and we didn't. Uh, big wreck behind us, and again, a, a perfect scenario for me. Uh, you know, I picked the top. I felt like our car was better on the top, and I knew Kyle was going to take the front row. You can't give a give up a front row starting position. I was just hoping that Bell was going to go third because I felt like Logano uh, and that manufacturer was a really good pusher. And so once we went green. You know, we got the lead. 
I was a little nervous because we were low on fuel. Our, our low fuel light started uh, flashing at me, and so I knew we needed to get back to the white. And once we did that, I felt like we could make it all the way back around. Uh, but the 22 had a huge run, got to my outside. Kyle had a huge run, and he kind of shipped the middle. And then I looked in my mirror, and, and here comes Christopher and gave me a big shot uh, down the short shoot there into one and um, and got out front enough for when the caution came out. So everything played out perfectly for us at the end of that. I mean, it's a Daytona 500. Um, you're gonna, it's a long race. You're going to have – Good parts and bad parts, uh, but we just, you know, we just kept pushing through. Good deal. We're going to start up front here with Lee, and then we'll go over to Jordan. Congratulations, Randy. Thank you. I talked to Mike right after the race, and he said that you took him somewhere he had never been before, and now it was up for him to take you back. And he wasn't going to stop until he got you back to where you deserve to be. When you have that kind of relationship with somebody, and before you were in here, he even said you guys shared a bad one. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Can, can, can you just, you know, reflect on that and somebody who cares enough about you to see you to the end? Yeah, I think it was, you know, really big for myself. You know, I mean, not winning since 2017, um, having struggles, ups and downs, you know, to have somebody like Mike who – you know, when he took over the reins as soon as the season was over, um, it was, hey, you know, I know you can still get this done. We just got to give you the right opportunities. Um, we know that if we give you cars capable of running up front, you can do that. We've we've proven that. And, you know, I felt like his leadership throughout the whole shop is, is you know, still not even – I mean, yeah, we won here at the Daytona 500, but I still think, you know, the fruits of that is going to come later on from – you know, his leadership in the shop and, and making sure, you know, most of these guys that we have are the same guys we had last year. But, um, you know, he, he believes in myself uh, more than more than I do, I think. And, and that that's huge. Um, I feel like that's what separates crew chiefs these days is, you know, that that team aspect and, and leading your guys and getting the most out of them. We all have similar equipment and that wasn't always the case uh, in this sport. So now it's, you know, little nuances like that that help you know, propel a race team forward. Uh, we all felt confident this off season, uh, but it's uh, it's special to do it with Mike. We've accomplished so much together. We've gone through ups and downs. He's been in the sport a long time. He's a Cup champion. Uh, you know, as a car chief with Kurt Busch, uh, we've we've I think he's won this race before. Um, not as a crew chief, obviously, uh, in our Nationwide Series championships and in um, race wins were we're something that we're super proud of, but we know that those were 10 years ago and, and, and we need to make some new memories. Go to Jordan, then the Bob and then the Jonathan. Jordan Bianchi, the athletic, a few questions for me. Um, what makes you such a good super speedway racer? Uh, and I don't know. Uh, so when we were in the nationwide series, it really wasn't one of my favorite things to do. Um, I, we had some good runs, but I, I don't feel like I knew exactly what I was doing. I was always, you know, looking forward to the mile-and-a-half racetracks in the Nationwide Series. Um, you know, in my cup career, we got some good finishes in um, in super speedway racing, but it was more of, you know, laying in the back, missing the wrecks, uh, not really being on the offense. And then when I was at Roush Fenway, Jimmy Finning kind of took over uh, our speedway program and felt like, at that moment, he he gave us cars that had speed that you could go on the offense that you could make, 
you know, big runs. You could make passes. You could learn the side draft. And I felt like that's when I learned a lot about, you know, super speedway racing and, and really felt confident, you know, to make runs and studied, you know, what the leaders were doing, how they were staying up front. I mean, I feel like at the end of the races, there's generally, you know, similar guys at the front of these races. And, uh, and it's, yeah, some of it's luck, but, you know, a lot of it's skill and, um, in your spotter, you know, the way y'all work together, uh, Mike Kerman Jr. When we were at Roush Fenway, felt like he was a really good super speedway spotter. Um, Tab Boyd came on the market last off, you know, last off season, two seasons ago. And, and we were lucky enough to pick him up. And I felt like that, you know, kind of upped our game over here at JTG Doherty racing on the, um, on the super speedways. And, you know, they gave me fast race cars as well. So, uh, it takes a combination of of all those things. In your in your opinion, what do you think has been holding JTG back from taking that next step? Like you've seen other mid-sized teams take. Well, I think you know, I came from Roush Fenway Racing, and you know, I saw all the resources uh, that they had and, and the support from from the manufacturer. And then I went to JTG Doherty Racing, and honestly, I was surprised at how much you know, nice equipment and how they ran things um, and, and how much of the car they actually built. Um, you know, I wasn't 100% sure, you know, what it was going to look like when I went into the race shop. But now, you know, for us to, you know, kind of take that next step, obviously this is our second season uh, with this new car, and we've got more help from from Chevrolet. We've been in the simulator uh, way more this off season than we were all of last year. And, uh, things like that, uh, the resources that that Chevy's going to help us out with, our alliance that um, you know we've we've built with Rick Rick Hendrick Racing. Um, you know Rick's been a, a great supporter of JTG Doherty Racing in the past. We've been using their engines, so I think that's going to be a, a huge help for us as well. Um, you know, like Mike said, I, I caught the tail end of it there. You know, this is huge for us, uh, but. I'm honestly super excited to get to Fontana, uh, Las Vegas. Obviously, we had a, a decent test at, at Phoenix. We weren't where we need to be on the short tracks yet, but the, we were so far off last year uh, that, you know, the things that we've had at, um, you know, our tools that we've had this off season, we feel like we've made those short tracks better already, and, and we're looking forward to getting to those racetracks. Does when you come to Daytona or Talladega or even like Atlanta, is your confidence much much higher than it would be elsewhere? Definitely, uh, but I think everybody's is. Um, you know, but when you've been to a racetrack where you've been to Victory Lane in the Cup Series, uh, you know how um, you know how it works. The position that we put ourselves in this race last year, I think we led. I don't know. I was rewatching it right actually as I was getting ready uh, to go out to the grid today. Uh, you know, we were we were leading you know, the last 20 or so laps here last year. And, and we got crashed there on a, a late race restart with five to go. But uh, I told my guys this off season uh, coming into this week, if, if we can get in that same position again, I would take it. And, and hopefully things worked out a little bit better. And, uh, and there we were with, you know, a green, white checkered. We, we had the lead and uh, controlled the restart. And um, yeah, so I definitely have confidence coming back to these places. Go to Bob, then to Jonathan, then the press box. Right behind you, Bob. I'm Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. Uh, in 2018, when you're at Roush and know you're not coming back, are you thinking, you know, my career is over and kind of the same thing? Did you have any of those thoughts last year when you're trying to do a contract extension at JTG, knowing you 
hadn't won yet with that team. Uh, yeah, that was uh, 2019. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, um, something unexpected. Uh, honestly, I kind of thought I had a contract for 2023. <laughs> um, so that was the uh, kind of crazy part about all that. Um, and so, you know, my management team, uh, Josh Jones at KHI, jumped on the call uh, on the phone as soon as, you know, we uh, met with, with Roush Fenway at the time. Um and, you know, got a hold of uh, Tad and, and Ernie and, um, you know, started working the doors there. And I had some great partners with uh, Sonny, D, Sonny D, who also, you know, stepped up and, uh, and called on my behalf. And so had a great, a lot of great supporters, um, you know, that uh, I felt confident in uh, of, of getting me, um, you know, a, a, a good job. And, you know, when I got over to JTG Doherty Racing, like I said, I, I didn't know what to expect, um, but I was super impressed with, um, you know, their whole race team and, and how they ran it. And, you know, I was looking forward to getting this car, you know, technically a year prior because uh, I felt like, you know, once we were, you know, in comparable equipment to everybody else – uh, that, you know, they had all the right people to, you know, to get the most out of the race cars. And, and I felt like, you know, we could, I could do the job behind the wheel. So, um, yeah, we had done my contract a lot earlier than we announced it. So like, I think, I don't know, maybe you asked me about it and I forgot that we had already done it a long time ago. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we show up to the racetrack. We, we you know, JTG Doherty Racing's got realistic expectations. Um, you know, we 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 were building this program together. We were excited when we got, you know, like I said, a, a car that was comparable to everybody else's. Um, and knowing, knowing it was going to be some growing pains over last season, uh, we knew that. You know, there was there was times we had a lot of hope. Uh, we went a month straight with, you know, our worst finish of eighth, but then we kind of fell off. But you know, the bigger teams were able to learn a lot more at a faster rate. And I felt like that's what got us behind. So, you know, this off season, we've really focused on that. And like I said, I'm excited to go to these racetracks uh, like Fontana, Las Vegas, uh, and really see the potential that we've gained over this off season. Got a question up in the press box after Jonathan. Jonathan Fiel, the racing expert in ESPN Radio Albuquerque. You know, Ricky, you started racing when you are a young kid, and every kid dreams of winning the Daytona 500. I know you won here before in July, and but what was it like just being out there in victory lane, being on the start-finish line, just knowing that you were the champion? Yeah, it's super cool. Um, you know, like you said, I've been racing a long time. Uh, I grew up going to the racetrack. My mom took me to watch my dad when I was six weeks old, and I've been going to a racetrack for an average of, 40 weekends a year, I would say my whole life. And I came down here in 2006, Buckner. Jeff over here has been a long supporter of my career. Him and I, he, he's a Tennessee guy. He had met with Bobby Hamilton at the time. His shop was in Nashville. We flew over there, walked through Bobby Hamilton's race shop. Uh, he invited us down the Daytona 500. We jumped in the, tr or for the, the truck race. We jumped down. And Bobby Hamilton won that race that year, and you could see an awkward kid standing behind him, and, like during his interview, and uh, that was me. And so that was in 2006, uh, and I was, uh, you know, impressed with this racetrack. I'd never been to anything like it. Um, I went to my first Cup race was like the 92 
Coke 600 back in the day. Uh, but like I was finally old enough to, you know, kind of picture everything. And so since then, you know, that was kind of the goal um, is, is to try and get here and race. And then, you know, 2008 was the first time I ever made laps around here in the ARCA car. And, um, you know, I've gotten to race this racetrack when it was the old school racetrack where it was worn out. It was rough, a ton of fun. Uh, I feel like it's starting to get a little bit of that character back. But, um, yeah, it's been a it's been a dream for a long time and, um, you know, super super cool for uh for us to be here i remember seeing that clip around yeah. the internet <laughs> in the background yeah awkward <laughs> and i guess just you know going forward you know mike talked about i guess you know finding your mojo again well what do you what does this win do for you already and what do you want to say yeah i mean it's uh you know we're not done uh, i think you know mike and i got a lot of a lot of things left to do. Uh, again, it's been a short off season. Uh, I feel like we've, you know, Mike's moved the needle on where this race team's at. Uh, the, like I said, the resources I feel like we have now, um, you know, moving forward throughout the 2023 season, um, you know, there's still a lot left to prove that we can go be competitive, you know, on all racetracks. And, you know, yeah, it's a speedway win, um, which is huge. It's the Daytona 500. You got you got to be able to win on them all. And, you know, throughout my career, we've Mike and I have won on short tracks, mile and a half, and, and super speedways. So uh, we do feel like mile and a half racetracks are probably our bread and butter right now with this race car, uh, excluding um, the super speedways. But uh, we know that we got a lot of work left to do on the short tracks. And so, um, you know, yeah, this gives us a boost of confidence. But, you know, I know we're going to enjoy this one tonight. Uh, but I know that, you know, everybody in the shop uh, and, and all these guys on this race team are, are looking forward to, uh, getting to Fontana and, and kind of seeing where we shake out after everything we've learned this offseason. Go up to the press box. Bruce Smart with Speed Sport and with Forbes Sports Money. Uh, Ricky, when you're a single-car team and it's the end of the Daytona 500, even though you had some Chevys that were helping you out, do you feel like the lone wolf out there? Yes and no. Uh, you know, obviously throughout the whole race, you know, even, you know, I watched a lot of the, the first stage from, you know, my view. I could, I was close enough where I could just watch the leaders and I wasn't really doing any racing. So, yeah, I was watching all the teammates work really well together up there. We've had, you know, Chevy meetings this whole week and, and we preached about, you know, trying to get, you know, Chevrolet, their, their 25th Daytona 500. And, you know, we talked about working together. We didn't do great. Uh, Thursday night in the duels, in the first duel, uh, we learned a lot, and you know they transferred that on to to the second duel, and felt like our strategies worked really well today. Um, so that was huge for us. You know, like you said, when I got down to it, you know, the top four were Chevys at one point, and I felt really good about that that we could kind of control the race. Uh, and then you know when the five lined up behind me, I knew that if we got a run, he would probably go with me, or I was really hoping so. <laughs> Uh, and, and we were able to, you know, kind of shuck the 20, the 22 out and, uh, you know, both be first and second there. Uh, and then the last restart, you know, yes, you need teammates, but, you know, at that moment, as long as you had a good pusher behind you, uh, I knew the 22 wasn't going to just, you know, go to the outside of me because you got to get the momentum going, uh, and the momentum's in, you know, numbers and, and I was confident in what Joey could do pushing me. And then it was kind of a free-for-all once you take the white flag. And also, there aren't a lot of sprint and midget drivers that have won the Daytona 500, but now you're the latest to have done that. And to know that 
you follow in the footsteps of guys like Mario Andretti and A.J. Foyt and, he, and Ryan Newman who have done that here. How important is that to you to show to the grassroots of America that you can come from that type of background and win the Daytona 500? Yeah, it's special to me. Uh, I know, you know, Kyle's done a lot for, for dirt track racing, open wheel racing, uh, Christopher Bell. You look at what Alex Bowman's doing now, going uh, back and forth and, and running sprint cars. I have a lot of fun running with my dad. We don't run as much as, as everybody else does, but um, definitely still a, a, a short track dirt, dirt racer. And um, I know how long and, and how you know, important this race was that, you know, when Tony, my former boss, uh, you know, tried to win this race for a long time. And I looked up on the screen during, you know, that one of those late cautions uh, when the eight was leading and they were showing, you know, I think it was a 17th attempt and, you know, it was our 12th. So uh, I know how hard it is for, for guys to win this race. And um, it's nice to go ahead and get that, that checked off the list. Keep it up to the press box. Jim Mutter, motorsport.com. Congratulations, Ricky. Thank you. Um, Jody and Tad were in earlier and were asked about and talked about uh, their longtime involvement in the sport and the efforts they've made to keep going, even though that hasn't always translated into trips to Victory Lane. I just wondered, you sort of had what many would have called a breakout year, like in 2017, where you picked up a couple wins. Has it been difficult since then? What have you felt at some point that you might uh, give up? Uh, definitely never thought about giving up. Um, you know, I felt like, yeah, seven, 2017 went in a couple races was huge for us. Uh, but I'll even look back at that season and, um, you know, we still weren't super stellar. Um, you know, we, we had our ups and downs, but obviously two wins kind of, uh, you know, put the Band-Aid on some of those things that uh, that you can overlook. But, you know, I think for me, coming to JTG Doherty Racing was a was a nice reset. Um, you know, we had two cars at the time, uh, moved to a, a single car team, which I think has been beneficial. Um, we've been able to put a lot of focus uh, on the 47 car and uh, everybody in the shop. I feel like the details are, uh, you know, really paid attention to. We got some of the best guys in the shop. Uh, it's super, super neat to see, you know, how long, um, you know, Tad and Jody have been in the sport. Around our shop, you see, uh, you know, pictures of, you know, Tad going over the wall, you know, doing uh, jack man and tire changes. And, um, you know, they're they're out helping sponsors nonstop around here. And, um, you know, you, you partner them with Brad and, and Gordon and Mark. Uh, they, they make a great team. And so it's super cool to, you know, get them in victory lane. We had a, a great moment this offseason, I feel like, at our team lunch. Uh, had a video put together and, uh, you know, it put – some of JTG's wins in there, my wins in there, and, um, you know, kind of helped us realize that, hey, we can, we need these wins together and, and realize that we could do that. We, we've, we've both done it um, in our past, and so it's, it's special to do it together. Go next to Mark, then to Chris. Yeah, Ricky, right here. Mark Long with AP. Obviously, it's a big milestone for you, but when you look at Jody and Brad, it's a milestone for NASCAR. How, how key is this thing for maybe the broader picture of, of where NASCAR is headed? Yeah, NASCAR has been doing a, such a great job of, um, you know, getting everyone involved in our sport. And, you know, the even, 
you know, going out to areas of, of the country where uh, we're not so, you know, prominent in. Um, you look at L.A., going to Chicago, um, you know, getting getting down in, um, you know, some of the inner cities and, and getting, uh, you know, those fans interested in NASCAR. Um, you know, we got a lot of diversity on our race team throughout the garage um, and it's it's cool to to have two two on our race team and, and put them in victory lane here at the Daytona 500. Super special, and uh, you know NASCAR's you know leading the way in in, in a big way. So um, you know it's uh, it's cool to play a small part of of getting them to victory lane. Next, Chris. Hey, Ricky. Uh, first off, um, I just want to say congratulations on the uh, the awesome win. Um, uh, I saw on the replay there that you. Um, climbed up the fence after your victory there. I was wondering, uh, is that something you have thought about doing if you won this race, or is that kind of spur of the moment? I feel like you never try and think about what you're going to do when you win a race, especially the Daytona 500. And um, my crew guys were out there. Uh, it was a bummer that I wasn't able to do a burnout because we didn't have any fuel left. Uh, so that was that was a bummer. Um, I'm sure the Hendrick Engine Shop appreciates that. But, um, you know, so when I won my first sprint car race, my dad climbed the fence, um, and then my first ARCA win in 2008 at Kentucky, he was in the grandstands, and we both climbed up the fence and met at the top. And then when I won Talladega, he climbed the fence on the back stretch uh, where he always watches the races there. And so got out there, and the crew guys were like, hey, let's climb the fence. And then you know, I did the interview, and I turned around, they were gone. And uh, so I decided to go ahead and climb it uh, myself. So, uh, yeah, just spur of the moment. Have any word from Tony Stewart or um, Helio Castroneves what they thought of it? Uh, I'm not sure. I I know Tony didn't do pull-ups when he got to the top, so uh, I know Elio can definitely do pull-ups when he gets to the top. I've I've done some workouts with him, so um, yeah, I uh, I haven't checked my phone to see if Tony said anything yet. Thanks, Ricky. Congratulations. Thank you. We'll go with Mike, then to Steve, then to Daniel. <clears throat> Mike Henry from NBC. Ricky, do you come into this race every year? assuming there will be a string of accidents in the last five or ten laps? And if so, do you do you sort of steel yourself that you're going to have to make some quick decisions because of all that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at really any speedway race these days, and, and they're all like that. Um, you know, every one of us out there know it's a really good opportunity to get to victory lane. Our cars are all comparable uh, on speed, and, uh, you know, the draft is obviously it's uh, – you know, kind of a even playing field there for the most part. So, you know, when we were, when we lost our track position after I spit on pit road, I think we were 20, we were like 29th and we were going to come in and top off and, um, you know, maybe put some new tires on, but, you know, we know track position is so important. So Mike said, if five or six in front of us pit, let's stay out. That's just five or six less that we have to pass, you know, in a 14 lap run to the finish. And so, we did that. I felt like it was a was a huge um, you know strategy play to you know give us a shot, and then yeah, it was chaos at the end. I mean, um, you know, I got a good restart on the top, jumped to the bottom, and there was cars bouncing off the wall, uh, bouncing off each other, somehow all keeping them going straight. But my line that I was in every time seemed to carry the momentum, and then all of a sudden I looked up and you know we were in uh, I think seventh at at the time, and so. After that, it, it got a little bit calmer, but we were all pushing each other like crazy. Um, you know, throughout the whole race, you're 
you're pushing in key parts of the racetrack. You you push once you get in the flat uh, off of turn two, get your momentum down the back stretch. You release uh, getting into turn three, and then you get close again, kind of through turn three, and try and carry that momentum all the way back. You know, down the front stretch. Not a lot of bump drafting, and then you know a lot of bump drafting down the back stretch again. So I felt like everybody did a really good job of you know being smart and you know kind of methodical throughout the race. But when you know when you're intend to go, it's like we all lose our mind and just you know push the whole time. And uh, these cars are difficult to drive when when you're getting pushed all the way around the racetrack. Steve, Steve Schweitzer with Alaska Press. Uh, uh, how uh, important do you feel um, the next gen car um, and the so to speak leveling of the playing field? Um, contributed or, or how important that was, do you think, uh, in your race team being able to pull this off this evening? I think, I don't think the this car um, helped us pull this off at Daytona. If you look, you know, my very first race here at, um, at Daytona, we sat on the pole uh, with the old school car. So uh, that was huge. And, and I felt like, you know, with with the the older car, I felt like we had race cars capable of winning uh, while while being here at JTG Doherty Racing. I think the car going forward at at other racetracks is um, where we feel like it helps you know kind of level the playing field to a point. Like I said, I think last season the bigger teams learned at a faster rate. Um, you know, we we hit on some stuff for about a month and, and felt really good, uh, and then we kind of seemed to lose ground to to some of those bigger teams. So. We look to make that jump this past off season. Uh, feel like we've we've made the you know some big gains, and uh, we're looking forward to this car um, you know making competition you know more and more throughout throughout the season. Go next to Daniel, then to Allen. Daniel Fadden, Frenchers.com. Ricky, in, in the years since you got your first two wins back in 2017, there's been a lot of like criticism and jokes made at your expense because of your aggressive driving style in these races and accidents you may or may not have caused on a night like this on this stage when everyone else is in the garage fixing torn up cars and you're crossing the finish line not not at least not much of a scratch on your car do you feel like you got the last laugh tonight uh i mean obviously you're going to have haters everywhere um and when you have somebody you know at the time uh like kyle bush you know getting out and bashing you, uh, you know, that's, that's difficult to overcome, but, um, you know, I mean, I feel like I've put myself in some bad spots. Yeah. Throughout, throughout my career, but, um, you know, the, the faster we get our cars, the more I can take care of them and, and still run them close to the front, you know, something I've always tried to do, which is, you know, at, you know, sometimes an expense is try and take a car, um, you know, and, and try and get way more out of it than, you know, than what's there. And so, you know, I feel like that's my job to do as a race car driver is to get, you know, the most speed out of a race car that you can, but, um, you know, also in this sport, you got to take care of it and, you know, you can't, you can't just leave it all out there every single, every single race. Um, you know, so that's something that, you know, I felt like this off season we've, we've kind of met and, you know, Mike's, you know, super confident and he's in what he can do and, and what our engineers and, and team can give me. Uh, and, you know, we'll assess each weekend, you know, after practice and after qualifying, you know, what our goals are for, for that given race day. And, you know, so I think we'll do a better job of, you know, 
kind of setting our, our realistic expectations each week. And, and I'll, if we're, if we feel like 15th is, uh, where we need to be that given week, then that's where I'm going to try and get the car to and, and not try and get it to 10th or 5th, uh, like I, like I tend to do. So, um, you know, that's something that we're going to be super focused on this year of, uh, you know, finishing races. Uh, you know, Mike brought up this off season, you know, back in the nationwide series when we had fast race cars, uh, we, in 2011, uh, we finished, I think 98.9% of the laps. And in 2012, I think we finished 98.2% of the laps. Uh, and the only laps we didn't finish were crashes at super speedways. So uh, we know that we can, we can do that, um, together as a race team. And, and we're looking forward to showing everybody that. And wh- where is the party going to be tonight? I don't know yet. Um, at, yeah, at, somewhere, um, we will be here. Uh, for for a long time. Congratulations, Ricky, on winning the Daytona 500. This is Alan Alfred from the Alan and Aaron Sports Radio Show. Throughout this whole week, I've heard drivers say that winning the Daytona 500 is circumstantial, but you just mentioned that you use a lot of strategy to win this race. Can you please explain, now that you won the Daytona 500, what are your thoughts on what it takes to win this race? Definitely, I mean, definitely circumstantial at times. Uh, but you know, like I said earlier, you look, you look at the history of this race. Uh, you look at the history of uh, super speedway racing, um, and a lot of the same guys are towards the front. And you know, since 2016-ish, I feel like we are, you know, some of those um, contenders that that are at the front of those races towards the end of the race. And you know. This race, uh, it's a long race. Uh, the, like I said, the first stage, we didn't have track position, but I felt like I kind of went to school watching, you know, what the leaders were doing so that when I got there, uh, you know, I kind of knew what to expect. And then, you know, we, we got there and I felt really good, uh, being in the top five there. And, and at the end of that second stage, I felt like I pushed the 48 really well, uh, the 48 and one, uh, and myself, I felt like really controlled, you know, some of the, those, those last few laps coming to the stage in, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, you gotta, it's circumstantial. You gotta, you gotta catch breaks at the right time. You gotta, you know, be able to, to make moves and your line's got to go, but, uh, you're also looking ahead. Your spotter's giving you all the information that he can, uh, to make sure that, you know, you have all the info to, to figure out which lane to be in. Uh, there was, there was times where, you know, tab was telling me, Hey, you know, get to the top lane, get to the top lane. He saw something that I couldn't see in the front that killed the bottom, you know, lane's momentum, uh, and it propelled us past, you know, four or five. And then, you know, we jumped back to the bottom, things like that. So uh, definitely a lot of strategy involved um, and, and calculated moves. we wrap right here with Matt Weaver. Matt Weaver, Motorsports Tribune. I think Daniel kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but I want to kind of take it a little further. And I'm curious, you mentioned like in your Xfinity Championship days, really good car, not have to be as aggressive, take what the car gives you, all that stuff. So from that standpoint, do you think the last couple of years where it seems like every year we get to the end of the season and you're right there on the bubble points-wise or maybe even needing to win. Do you feel like from day one you, you, you're up against it and you have to race more aggressive? And to that point, now that you start off this season with a win, presumably in the playoffs, that now that edge is completely gone? Uh, yeah, starting the season off with a win definitely changes, I feel like, uh, your mindset going forward. 
but you know, as we saw last year, uh, you've you're going to have to gain some points. You're going to have to uh, stay ahead of you know eventual winners in, in the point standings to uh, you know to make the playoffs. So you know, I think this season you could see you know more winners than we had last year. And and that being said, um, you know, we got to be on our A game from from here on out. But like I said, I think everything that we've learned this off season, I've got a lot of confidence in the cars that my guys are going to be able to give me so that, you know, I don't have to overdrive them to, you know, get good finishes. And, and, you know, there'll be days that we'll finish, you know, 17th, 18th, but that might be our, that might be our goal for that given weekend. Uh, we can't finish, you know, above 25th, right? I mean, that kills you in the point. So, we're uh, we're wanting to be consistent. Um, you know, obviously we we wanted to get a win. We we've we've done that, but we do feel like there's other racetracks that we're capable of winning at, um, based off of you know our performance at some last year and and the things that we've learned this off season. So, um, yeah, I think mindset wise, it, it definitely calms the nerves a little bit to you know go out and really focus on what we're doing only. And then I know Mike woke up this morning with that conviction that you guys could do this. And um, there was always that conviction that you guys could do this. But I feel like the cars you had with them in 2020, 2021 were really, really good cars. I don't think this car was quite as good as those cars. And I'm, and I'm curious, is the irony kind of not lost on you that um, you guys had arguably the best car here those two years and you come back this year qualified near the back of the field and this is the year that you guys get it done yeah it's crazy we were you know our, our car in 2020 was amazingly fast i think we shocked everybody with you know getting the pole uh and and had really good cars uh those two years you know we came here last year and we qualified i think 24th so we, we qualified 10 spots better but we were a second off the pole uh we qualified 34th this year we were seven and a half tenths off the pole so technically we were closer to the to the lead cars it was just like everybody got faster and, and we kind of fell back in, in positions uh and so i told my guys after wednesday i said you know we have a we have a you know a, a set kind of standard of like hey here's our qualifying for super speedways we've set the bar now let's try and make that better going forward but i said guys we're closer to the lead pack cars than what we were last year. And we were leading this race, uh, you know, with five or six to go. I said, we, we have a car capable of doing that. Uh, and we, like I said, we made adjustments um, that gave up a little handling and, and ride quality for, for a little bit of speed. Uh, and I felt like in our Chevy draft uh, on Friday night, I felt super confident in the car. Again, maybe not the fastest, but I felt like, I drafted well, it handled good enough for me, and I felt like that was always, you know, one of our benefits and, and kind of uh, key things to have here at Super Speedway Races is cars that handle good and, and being able to get pushed without, you know, getting too out of shape, and I felt like I had that. Well, Ricky, congratulations on winning the Daytona 500, and we'll see you next week at Fontana. Yes, can't wait. Thank you all. Monday morning, guys, 9 o'clock, Central, 10, eight. We're out back morning. And begin our post-race media availabilities. We are now joined by our race-winning crew chief, Rudy Fugel. Rudy, congratulations. You guys started the race strong. 
finish with a win. Can you talk to us a little bit about your race? Yeah, no, um, you know, William did a great restart, you know, and got the lead, I think, after lap one. And um, we set sail and did well. Um, ended up getting beat off pit road. You know, pit stall one had a lot to do with that. You know, five qualifying on the pole was, was big for them. Uh, we were just outmatched a little bit on pit road to the first couple never could get it back. So um, from there, we, we kind of, we were tighter in traffic, tried to work on it to make it freer and got way too free in stage three. So um, we, we got adjustment in on the green flag pit stop and we were, we were okay again, just uh, too far behind. So, um, but uh, two weeks in a row, we get that caution and, and pit crew did a good job getting us uh, out on the front row and, and William did an awesome job. He you know, got a second chance at it, you know, second chance at a restart and uh, did an amazing job and we won the race. And we'll go ahead and open it for questions. We'll start right over here and then come down to Wolfgang. John the Field, the racing experts, ESPN Radio, Albuquerque. You know, again, it was you and the five out in front today. Without giving out too much, uh, what do you think you guys have hit on that have allowed you to have success? Yeah, just a little bit of everything. You know, specifically, you know, 24 team is focused in the simulation program all off season. Uh, we've we worked really hard, especially on Las Vegas and uh, in Phoenix because they're super important in the playoffs. Um, so when we had we had fresh information, you know, we ran at Vegas with four to go, and, and Phoenix obviously the last race of the year. You re-race them early in the year, so it makes sense to work on those. Those were um, mo most of our focus to start with, and then hope to take notes from these two races to to uh, you know propel ourselves to the first third half of the year. And we're also joined by Hendrick Motorsports Vice Chairman Jeff Gordon. So if you have any questions for him, please. Feel free to ask as well. well. First, let me just say how proud I am of this guy and this team. Uh, nobody works harder. I mean, all these guys work hard. But I, I, over the off season, I came into the office one day. It was like, right? was it right after Christmas? Yeah, it was the day after. Day after Christmas, I was over at the office, and this guy was there all by himself. So I'm, I'm so proud of these guys and the effort they're putting in and seeing the results. Sorry, go ahead. Go to Wolfgang. Uh, Wolfgang Monzer from Germany, Rennsport Press. Uh, two questions, one for Jeff. You're from Germany all these years? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, we saw all day that uh, during the race that Kyle had a very dominant car. Unfortunately, he couldn't win. So I suppose, like in other motorsport categories, with your crew chief colleagues, you share information, technical information. My question is, how identical are the Hendrick cars among the different drivers? Uh, yeah, if you get down to the nitty-gritty, you know, the last 15, 20% of everything, they're a little bit different, you know. So, But, you know, the main whole, we work, we work together really well. I mean, Cliff and I were, were chatting about what strategy we were going to do. You know, we, we opened in the chat multiple times if we were going to take four or two, how we were going to do it. So even racing each other against the win, uh, fully working together, um, you know. So uh, we, we, we work together great, all four crew chiefs, all four teams. So... Um, but yeah, we, and then we prepare the cars. Just, you know, we look at each other's cars all week long and make adjustments, and then each driver is a little different. So the last 15, 20 percent is probably so. A in principle, bit if one Hendrick driver is struggling, you take over the setup of another driver. You can do this for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, we we're able to put most all that stuff in the car. You know, we we made a lot of changes their direction after Friday's practice for sure. Saturday morning came in and changed uh, geometry and and some other things to uh, to chase the five because they were a little bit better than us. So yes. And one question for you, Jeff. Knowing your new position with Hendrick Motorsport, you still have time to do some races from time to time? <laughs> uh, 
if I do, please stop me because uh, uh, I like to drive. I love to get out there and, and run laps, but I know I can't be as competitive as what I used to be, so I prefer not to race. But uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying this challenge, working with these guys, our marketing and PR group, and uh, obviously Rick's been an incredible mentor to me over the years. So on the business side, uh, you know, working with NASCAR and tracks and um, you know, others in the industry is, uh, it's something I'm, I'm dedicating most of my time to these days. And I also have two kids and so, you know, family stuff too. But, uh, I, I, I did do a race last year that was, that was fun. And I did. And it reminded me why I shouldn't be out there racing. <laughs> Took all the fun right out of it as soon as I was two seconds off the pace. We're going to go here in the back and then up to Bob. Uh, yeah. David Hernandez from Veravision Deportes. Uh, quick question. So you touched on the, two-wheel strategy as opposed to the four-wheel strategy. And was this strategy talked about before the race, or was there any at any point during that last yell that, that you were saying, hey, we might call an audible and do four four wheels? Or Yeah, no. I mean, as soon as the caution came out, we were we were chatting. You know, we have a live chat, and we were, we were talking about what we were going to do. So um, that was having that openness, um, you know, racing for a win in, uh, as teammates is, is huge and vital. We, we, uh, we, we both, I think, this week I may have – swung cliff one way and last week he may have swung me a different way at different times so um it's great great teamship team teamwork and and this was also a conversation that you were having actively with william too did he have an input on it or was it just off of you um yeah no uh we kind of tell him that you know what, what the code word we think we're going to use for there and make sure that he's not totally against it but um we see a whole lot more of the race than he does you know and we have a whole lot more of the history you know so um yeah we're going to go to Bob and Cameron and Lee and John. I'm Bob Parker's Fox Sports for Jeff and Rudy, if you want to take it as well. So you have a little bit of the drama on Friday with them taking the pieces. So do you consider like winning a race on a weekend where you have maybe a little bit of distraction, a, a, more of an accomplishment, or it's just that totally kind of separate and not really in your head at all? You're looking at me, Bob. He won the race. Uh, I'll let him answer it first. Yeah, I mean, we we have to. It, it's a a test in mental strength, and that's just what it takes to to be really good in the series. So we have to, you know, think about what the task is, you know, and we have to focus on this weekend. So that's that's what we all did. Yeah, I just say, you know, I was proud of these guys to go. I mean, this this. this organization has a lot of depth they've been through a lot of different experiences over the years and and you know to lean on those in in the um you know in different positions or or leadership or crew chiefs that have been around so much you know whether you're a young guy in this in, in on a team or or somebody's been around it's nice to know you can lean on one another through through you know times like that but i'm uh, i'm probably most proud of these guys went through that and then they went out there and you know we had the pole third, you know, the other two guys, you know, were fast. They just slipped up a little bit, but all four cars in the top 10 today, uh, I think that, you know, really solidified, uh, you know, some of the, the hype and the, the things that were being focused on on Friday that, that, you know, these guys have, have speed in the car and there was nothing, not last week, not this week that was, you know, um, getting them to victory lane other than a lot of hard work and, and great teamwork. We'll go yep. to Cameron. Cameron Richardson, NASCAR.com. My question is for both of you. Uh, maybe the consensus over the last few years is that Byron's maybe the third or fourth guy on the team, but for him to start the season with two wins, you know, does that go to show that, yeah, he can carry the banner for Hendrick Motorsports? And um, what 
what do you guys see in Byron that maybe you don't see in some of the other drivers? We have four capable teams and four capable drivers of carrying the banner any weekend. So it's pretty amazing. You know, we see it in different phases, you know, but, you know, in, in different different things affect, you know, race outcomes sometimes, you know, and the way certain drivers race and uh, what they're good at and you're going to qualifying or not and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, but you know, week in and week out, you, we see it. We have four capable drivers, four capable teams. So that's amazing, you know, but and then William, just he's the guy that he has gotten here mostly by being one of the, you know, the best at preparing during the week, you know, and then, then you add the experience that he's starting to get over and over and over now, and, and you'll see, the, you know, the fruits of all of his hard work paying off, so that's, that's what I'm super proud of him for. Yeah, and I'll just add to that, you know, I, it, it's really, and I, you know, you can look at other driver crew chief combinations and teams over the years at, at Hendrick, but it, to me, it's, especially in perspective I have now, it's just, really great to see a team mature, a team grow, a, a team evolve, and you see all the things that they're doing behind the scenes to get there. They didn't just show up at the racetrack and all of a sudden, bam, they clicked on it. These guys have had to work really hard to get there, and I just see a progression with, with William ever since he came to Hendrick. I mean, you got to remember how young he was, you know, coming in the Cup Series, so much to learn, and, and even young in racing in so many ways. And and then when, when you know, Rudy came to Hendrick, the instant uh, connection and chemistry between these two was, was so obvious and it just took care the whole team up to another notch. And, and I think now they're just building on that. So it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun to watch and see. We'll go to Lee and then to John and then to Dustin. I've had two quick questions for you, champ. First of all, Bowman scoring four consecutive top tens. You have to be happy with the consistency you're seeing there. hundred percent, you know, and there's another, you know, Blake Harris coming on board and, um, you know, a, a, a new combination driver crew chief and to see them click as, as early on as they have. And, and I think w one of the reasons why, um, you know, that worked and, and, you know, um, kind of came to was because the confidence both Alex had in Blake and Blake had in, in, uh, in, in Alex. And so, you know, it's nice to see that it's paying off for them on the racetrack. And then, Josh Berry, you were the first guy up to his car after he finished, and Alan said after his stage two, I didn't see things turning around. You're really gaining on it. What have you seen, you know, just – it's a tough situation for him to be in, first of all, but just to be able to step in. And his second star in a Hendrick car and get a top ten is pretty solid. Oh, I'm, I'm really impressed with today's effort. And, and I was on the nine box most of the race, and it didn't start off so great. And, and so – to see them just continue to work, you know, through changes on the car, changes of the track uh, conditions, and, and just continue to, to push forward. And then, you know, he was he was mixing it up, man. And on those restarts, he was right in the middle, three and four wide. And I was a little bit nervous, you know, because uh, they're they're pretty deep in points and needed a solid finish. And it was great to see Josh, you know, get that. And that's going to build his confidence. I, mean, I don't think anybody can explain how difficult a situation this is. I mean, an Xfinity car today could not be more opposite than what the Cup car is throughout, you know, the history that I can that I can recall of those things being so different than they are today. So to get out of an Xfinity car and then hop into a Cup car that's so different, I think is a big, tall task. We put him in a bad situation last week. But uh, this week I, I saw him putting in the effort and the time, the sim, and with the team getting fitted in the seat and just, you know, doing his homework 
and 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 it really showed up. Go ahead, John. Uh, John Harvon with the Circuit Journal. Uh, for Jeff, I just want to ask, what was the what was the process like in deciding to have Josh in the car, and then also having your buddy uh, Rodney Sandstorm <laughs> at Coda? What was that process like? Like who approached who about that? Well, I think Jeff Andrews touched on this this week you know we, we always and not always but I think maybe this really started a few years ago where you kind of you know have to have a backup plan because you know and it sort of started with COVID but but it's continued on since then of if something were to happen a driver could get sick a, a driver could get injured that you uh you have something in place that can happen immediately because we've gone you know, down the path of not having a game plan, and it's really difficult to find somebody. Sometimes they're on their way home. They've already left the racetrack. You never know what it is. So, um, you know, have a relationship with JRM and with, you know, their drivers and, and having a backup plan in place. Um, you know, I think for, for – I don't know that Josh has ever really gotten an opportunity with Hendrick before. So, um, you know, that's that was a, a team decision, I think, a, a lot driven by Allen and, and who he thought would fit in with – their team and, and personality-wise, and, and, you know, I, I think they're making the right decision. As far as the road course, I think the road course just opened up the door for, you know, should we look at, at you know, an option that is, is sort of a road racing option. And, and you know, we, we feel confident in Josh and want to keep Josh in the car, um, you know, as much as possible. But um, we also, you know, had, had seen – I raced with, with Jordan Taylor and, and he's very talented and, you know, he's been in our garage 56 car showing a lot of speed. And so, um, you know, just the right timing and place to be able to pull that off. Go ahead, Dustin. Dustin Long, NBC Sports, one for Rudy, one for Jeff. Uh, Rudy, how much of a threat did you guys consider Harvick uh, even on Friday? I know talking with Rodney, he kind of felt good and said, like, everybody's talking about the Hendrick cars, but if you looked at what happened in practice, latter part, you know, and he said, I like not being the focus. Yeah, I mean, we recognized him right away. I thought it was – I mean, we were doing all our comparing to the four and the five. So, um, you know, he he might not have felt it or, or people might not have been talking about him, but we knew. We were watching. So, and, and just I just felt like this was going to be his kind of race, right? He looked at those that long green flag round in stage three. You know, it's uh, – with no downforce, it was a bunch of dirt racers, Harvick uh, wrapping the bottom, and uh, and William being disciplined. Yeah, you know, wrapping the bottom. So, you know, the discipline, you know, for running running and being really good, which, you know, Kevin's amazing at, you know, and then a bunch of guys that aren't afraid to, you know, slip and slide and, and, and figure out where the grip's at. So, um, yeah, he, did, he they, did, they did great. He, he They've been good this year, so we're going to have to contend with them a lot. And, and, Jeff, just how much of a concern is having parts taken, just even if it's for further evaluation, especially in this era, where because of the single supplier issue that the penalties can be significantly more severe than maybe years past. I can tell you it was weighing on all of our minds, you know, coming into today and, and certainly um, will continue. I mean, I, we had some conversations, we continue to have conversations with NASCAR. Um, you know, this is every situation sort of unique, but this one is a more unique one than I've seen in a while where there's been a lot of communication back and forth on this particular part especially for this racetrack, um, you know, because they did a parity test in the wind tunnel. And so I think it, it really opened up the door for some miscommunication. And, you know, I don't want to go into any further than that, but, um, you know, we uh, will continue to, to just share all the facts and, and, and be transparent with NASCAR as we have so far. 
Are there any questions in the press box? No questions, thank you. All right, we'll take one more question down here to the right for Jeff and Rudy, and we will let them go after that. Oh, Brendan Martin, the Lumberjack. Uh, this is for both of you guys, oh, William and, and Rudy. The second year in a row that this 24 team is the, the first team with multiple wins. Last year, you got that second win in Martinsville. Now this year, much earlier in the season, you get it done at Phoenix. Just how important is it for you guys, especially now stacking up uh, playoff points that are so important later on in the year? How important is it uh, to sort of get this early start, and what can you do to sort of keep this consistency going uh, further down the line this season? Yeah, I think you got to. You got to get the wins while you're hot. You know, you got to capitalize, and that, we've done that. So super, super good. Um, you know, our focus is, is nothing different now. You know, hit the reset button, and uh, and how do we do it again? You know, so um, put the hard work in, do the you know, and, and every single day, and keep keep grinding. So that's that's our focus. Yeah, I mean, I think last year, even though we won early, it wasn't we didn't really know the car or understand the car. So we were kind of just adapting to what we had, and we were just making the most of you know, an unpredictable situation with the entire field. Like everyone was, you know, there was a lot of attrition in the races and a lot of just weird things that were happening. And I feel like now it's strength on strength and it's just, it feels different. It feels like we're more consistently towards the front and, and we're leading laps. And we just, we're, we just want to focus on our processes during the week. I think our processes this week were kind of frustrating because we didn't really get to do the things we wanted to do, and everyone was a little tired, and we did that Charlotte test, and there was just a lot going on on the outside. So it was a little frustrating going into today, uh, but it's cool to see that we can you know, overcome those things and, uh, and still get a win. Jeff and Rudy, thank you. Congratulations. William, we'll go ahead and continue questions um, with you. We'll go ahead and start in the back. William, Chance Lancaster, Amarillo Motorsports Power Hour. We're over here. Sorry. Uh, what does it mean to you to continue to put the 24 in victory lane and carry that legacy on? Um, it's win number two. Just a question. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, when I first started out, it was a lot of pressure. You know, I – going into my rookie year with uh, not having any cup starts. And I don't think you really understand the magnitude of that shift. You know, I think everyone prepares you for it from going from Xfinity to cup. But the level that this is, is just, it's so different. So many details that go into it. So that was a lot of pressure. But I think once we got a win under our belt and once we kind of got some consistency going, you stop thinking about that and you start, start thinking about, okay, how can we just build this team into something that we want um, long term so I think it's just cool to have a group of guys around me that we've really built from the ground up with Chad and then when Rudy took over is you know brought a couple more people um, in that I was really comfortable with and trusted like my spotter and um, you know it's just been a good progression we'll come down here to Lee and then right here in the front can you just give us your assessment of the new car and you know how you felt it changed over last season New, new like aero package. Aero package. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought it was uh, really difficult to drive. Um, I don't like from an objective standpoint. I know we were competitive, but like I didn't think it was. I didn't think we could pass any better. So there's still some work to do there um, with something going on just with how tight they get uh, in traffic. But I think. Um, I mean, yeah, they were certainly hard to drive. I think that's a good test to see who's the you know the best out there. I mean. 
Kyle's probably the most naturally talented. And I think that it, you know, it just shows like the guys were having to drive their cars and manage that. And uh, it made for a really difficult challenge inside the race car, just how many times I slipped and how much slip was too much and, you know, how much was enough to keep going fast. So that was, that was a good challenge. It kind of put it, I think, put our car control on display. And can you take me through that last restart? You were on the high lane and just all of a sudden it just seemed to thrust forward. Did you get a good push from Reddick or did you feel unstable when he got into the back of you? Can you kind of just yeah. talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, we, um, so the restart, the launch went, went well for me. Like I had a really good launch, uh, no wheel spin. And at that point I was just focusing, okay, how can I get through the gears? Um, how can I side draft Kyle? So when they all pull down to the apron and the outside guys that, bit of a disadvantage because of distance so um just trying to stay as close as i could there and then it's just who can beat each other to the to the corner without hitting the wall so i mean we both got in there deep and we both were up the track um and he held you know he held me really tight there uh you know through the middle one and two and and off at two and there was just enough grip up there and i think i was just far enough up on him that uh, i was able to keep stay in it and then we we're obviously dragged back and so i got that big push from uh, Tyler down the back stretch. That was huge. I mean, he drilled me, but it was, I mean, we're not going that fast. So it was nice. And, um, that kind of got me out in some clean air. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Brandt from the Associated Press. You've, you've won two races now in remarkably similar fashion. I mean, was <laughs> it, was it weird going through that light? Did it feel like deja vu out there? Or what? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't counting my, uh, blessings. I was kind of like, man, it went so good last week. I'm probably going to, end up crashing here so um just you know when you have that level of commitment and you know you have to on a green white checker to to come out the other side you're either gonna it's either gonna go really good or not so um yeah i i don't love winning races that way it's very stressful it's a lot of tactics you know going on with the restarts but uh yeah it's fun i mean it's a good challenge for us because it you're all tired and you're all into that long run mode mentally and then you have to have a pit stop and you have to somehow reset and get into, okay, how do I get a good restart? We'll go to Jonathan and then a Wolfgang. Jonathan Vail, the racing experts, ESP and Reed Albuquerque. First of all, welcome back. Uh, second of all, um, looking ahead to November, uh, what were some things you learned today just that will benefit you in November? Um, I mean, the cars are going to change a tremendous amount, so I think that, that I kind of keep in the back of my mind. But, um as far as the balance goes, I thought we had the balance really good to start the race. I was sliding around a lot, but seemed to be sliding less than everybody else. And then uh, just when I got back in second, the dirty air is so significant. Like, I just started to get tight. So I started to contribute my issues to that. Uh, and then we just got the back out of the track. And um, and then, yeah, we tra- we had to try something to try to close that gap. But it just seemed like there was kind of a bubble there. And, um, you know, as soon as I was kind of hung up in second, I just – focused on trying to be consistent maybe we get to lap traffic and something would happen and um you know just i think overall throughout the race there's still some work to do myself to just know what i need and then also managing the car like the brakes were kind of hot and um i did a lot throughout the race messing with the brakes and i just got them too hot doing some stuff so just need to work on some of those technique things we'll go to wolfgang and then to bob uh wolfgang monzer press from germany you just said earlier the car is difficult to drive, was difficult to drive with the new aero package. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's for everybody in, in the NASCAR Cup Series. 
Is there a possibility you go maybe and have a meeting with the NASCA technical department to make improvements or to launch proposals to make the car better? For yeah, for sure. I mean, we have meetings almost every weekend, and that's been a big thing since probably the middle of last year. We've started having meetings with NASCAR, and uh, it's been really productive. So, um, yeah, I definitely think we need to kind of objectively look at was this a better race or not. You know, that's that's really what it comes down to. And um, from my standpoint, I, yeah, it tests me a lot more, but there's still some element that we got to figure out with the – you know, how tight the cars are. So I think, um, yeah, we'll keep working through that, and um, I'm open to anything. You know, I I just want it to be – I just want us to have options as drivers. You know, I, I want it to be hard to drive, but I also want to be able to pass. I don't know. I just I just do – I just kind of see what they bring to the track and, and adapt that week. But, uh, yeah. We'll go to Bob and then to Cameron. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. Um, was there much of a concern that you and Larson were going to wreck each other there on the last restart? Um, yeah, I mean, I, in my situation, having a win and him not having a win yet, like I, I assumed he would be more aggressive. But my counter to that was, all right, I got to win. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, do whatever I can too. So it was kind of like it was a game of chicken a little bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of trust in Kyle. He's an amazing driver, and we've gotten to know each other off the track. I feel like we always communicate well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know how to answer that. I wasn't really thinking throughout through that situation. I was just kind of going wherever he was and trying to be a little bit better. Kim Richardson, NASCAR.com. William, I asked Rudy and Jeff about, uh, you know, everyone in the Hendrick camp is, is, seems capable of carrying the banner. You know, you, Bowman, Elliott, and Larson, but you know, maybe consensus in the past is that you were maybe the third or fourth guy because Elliot and Larson both won championships. But as the years go on, as you continue to mature, you know, do you, you know, you believe in that you're capable of carrying that banner, you know, and to start this year with two wins, you know, it's got to be some validation that, you know, you are maturing. And so. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the people around me have always kind of helped me understand that I'm young. You know, my Max and my dad and um, just everyone – yeah, my dad especially, he's a big stats guy, so he's always looking at, you know, he's like, man, you're young, like, just give it some time, and I'm very impatient, so I, I like things to happen quick, so um, that's how it happened for me, you know, coming up through, but this level is so different, and took a lot of homework, you know, like, a lot of details, and um, really, you know, I think the fact that I started later than most driving um, was a little bit of a, it took some time to bridge that gap at this level. Uh, now that gap is bridged, obviously, but, um, yeah, I just feel like it's a constant, like, evolution and just trying to continue to get better. Are there any questions in the press box? Any last questions down here? Over here to the right. Hi, William. Michael Manny of the Lumberjacks. So, you ran pretty much with Larson 1-2 you know, all week in Vegas last week, a lot of today as well, uh, two wins to start the year. What does that do for your, do you think, for your team's momentum and then just for your confidence heading into Atlanta and then the rest of the first half of the year? Yeah, I mean, um, I think Cliff and Rudy work really well together. So I think that's, you know, all the crew chiefs do, but Cliff and Rudy sit next to each other, you know, in the meetings. They spend a lot of time, and they kind of came in the Cup Series at the same time, you know, Cliff was had one year on Rudy, but they kind of came in with a new driver, 
you know, new situation. So I feel like they get along really well. Uh, they're very different, but uh, but I feel like there's some camaraderie there. Um, and so it's not a surprise that we're both running well. I wouldn't be surprised either, though, if, if all four of us were, were running well. Everyone communicates really well. So um, I think in some ways Kyle and I's driving style, maybe I try to adapt to whatever the setup is, and I think he kind of does the same. Are there any final questions? All right, Kyle. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Rowdy. Good to be on. I uh, just wanted to call in. I just wanted to say I uh, made it to Grandview Speedway Tuesday for the opening night of Eastern Storm for the, for the United States Auto Club. Wingless sprints. Uh, Jake Swanson won. Uh, let every lap in the 40-lap uh, feature. Uh, Brady Bacon had an interesting night. He went from 16th to 9th in the feature until the tire went down. Then he went uh, 22nd to 13th in the last 22 laps. And then uh, Bridgeport Speedway, unfortunately, got rained out on Wednesday night. And then Thursday night, uh, tonight, uh, Big Diamond Speedway, uh, three divisions there. Also the modified with the USAC uh, Eastern Storm. And then uh, Friday night, the schedule, uh, Williams Grove Speedway, weather permitting tomorrow night, the USAC East Coast, or excuse me, the USAC Wingless Sprints with the 410 wing sprint cars, then Saturday, big day at Port Royal, uh, USAC doubleheader, the uh, wingless sprints with the uh, USAC Silver Crown Series, uh, 6000 for the wingless sprints, 8000 for the Silver Crown, and also I think it's 6000 for the 410 sprints, wing sprints for Port Royal. So a lot of racing coming up and uh, looking forward to it. Well, Kyle, we were uh, fortunate enough to have Brad Perez call in on Tuesday. And got to talk to Brad. Uh, so, uh, what's your thought on Brad before we uh, Brad's interview before we bring it on live? Well, Rowdy, uh, you know he's good to be on, and uh, you know he's always a good guest here on the Rowdy Magli Show. And we were able to get him after the Sonoma race, and he ran Coda earlier in the year and made both races. So, uh, I know you and I were kind of chatting last night. Uh, the 35 car is 33rd. Nixon and the owner points. The 53 is right behind them, and 34th, so, uh, you know, kind of teetering there on the bubble uh, with the points, but, uh, you know, they could definitely turn it around here, hopefully turn it around here shortly. We're going to listen to Brad, and uh, I think Brad's going to be our last one for tonight, Kyle. It's 13 minutes. I'd like to welcome back to the Rowdy Maglite Show, driver in the Xfinity Series for Emberlin Gates and that number 53 Toyota, Brad Perez. Welcome, Brad. How's it going, guys? Brad, it felt good to say Xfinity driver. How'd that sound on your end? <laughs> Pretty good. So, Brad, when when you was on the show last, you was gonna you talked about Coda, but since then you've raced Coda, Portland, uh, you Martinsville, and uh, Sonoma. Let's talk about the, the three road courses. How, how, what's your thoughts on those three? Um, I mean, it, it, was, it was absolutely a fun time. Uh, you know, I used to uh, – I well, there's basically three different cars. I got uh, – for the first time in a while, I've gotten to drive basically three different cars every time. I mean, I drove the uh, our old 2011 Gibbs car at, at Coda. Portland, I drove Tommy Joe Martin's 
43 car, which was a, a newer uh, Roush Gen 6 car that they just built. And then recently I just drove the uh, our newer Gibbs car, but it's uh, probably like a 2014 Gibbs road course car. So three different cars, three completely different results, I think. But uh, um, definitely Portland was a, a big highlight, you know, getting to run a really good car. I mean, we had – I mean, the, the car easily had top 10 speed. Um, just had to try to take care of it, but didn't quite work out at the end. What's your thoughts on Portland? I, I... Kyle and I have talked about that little track, or the track. It's not a little track, but a uh, pretty impressive little course. Yeah, it's it's very exciting. Um, there's two really big passing zones, actually kind of three passing zones, if you think about it, uh, for it being such a short track and providing a lot of opportunities to pass. I mean, it's, it was super fun to race. Uh, very technical as well. I think it's probably one of the most perfect tracks for a stock car, I think. Um, you know, it's just a, a shame it's all the way across the country and it's really difficult for us to get there, but um, it definitely puts on a show. You know, and then that's the only disadvantage I can see from, from the East Coast is the distance. But, I mean, it really puts on, watching the race on TV, it it's really puts on a good show. Brad, what, what what's your thoughts on Sonoma? Um. Well, that's one of my favorite tracks. Um, I would say it is in my top five in the country for sure of, of really awesome road courses. Um, you know, getting – it's probably the, the most experienced track I've been on as far as, like, just driving anything in um, in this level. You know, I've, I did the BMW program over there last year, and then I did the truck race, and, and now I got to do my second race in a stock car at the track, and – it's as tough as I remember it. I mean, I would say this race is a little different than others. It's, it wasn't as hot outside, so it wasn't super slick. But, man, the tires were wearing a ton, um, especially considering that we had the uh, the no stage caution. So uh, saving tires was definitely a big big deal there that I could have done a little better job at. But, you know, you live and you learn. Um, I keep forgetting that it's only my, what, fourth Xfinity start. So I've got to calm it down sometimes. So, uh, what's your thoughts on racing at the paperclip in a truck? Uh, that was very fun. I think um, one of the things that I, I didn't realize is that, uh, you know, you know they're rough with me on road courses, and I'm used to that because it's just the way we race. But I, I never used to ride behind a guy, and you give him one chance to go out of your way, you're going to move him out of the way. And that's something that I really had to grasp uh, that, you know, it's okay to move somebody out of the way. But uh, definitely a lot to learn there. Hi, Brad. You have Kyle here. Uh, first of all, thanks again for coming on the Routing Maglite Show. Uh, first question for you is uh, when you do run those, those NASCAR Xfinity Series races, I've noticed there's been a lot of cup drivers um, pulling double duty on the road courses. Um, you know, what's it like, you know, trying to compete against that? And, you know, what's the competition been like in the NASCAR Xfinity Series this year? been tough I, I i think you can even say like to people like joe gates or um honestly anybody who's really been around for the last i would say five six years of the series that this is the toughest it's been in a long time i mean i would say probably since the early 2000s were like i would say a third of the the, the field were cup guys or cup affiliated cars we haven't seen this this real 
influx of guys, and it also make having it be so hard to make a race financially. Um, you know, we're up against guys with lease motors and, you know, essentially cup cars. Uh, and we're showing up with a bop motor and, you know, scuffed tires and trying to make it happen. So um, it's definitely been a – I think having the cup guys there has, has challenged me. Uh, I've never really had to – I've never gone in a race weekend uh, locked in. Like I've always had to race my – or qualify my qualify my way into a race. And I think – that difficulty in itself is what will prepare me for the next level. Um, you know, obviously being against cup guys like Kyle Larson, I mean, obviously he's in a freaking cup car and I'm in, you know, the Emerlin Gates car, but like racing against Ty Dillon last weekend and he was in the JD car. He taught me so much. I mean, we're pretty, we were on pretty equal playing field as far as the car is concerned. And, you know, it was, it was tough to hang with them. And I think that's definitely stuff that I can learn. And, and I, I enjoy racing with those cup guys for that reason. We had Brock Beard on the show last week, and I know you—you know—you two have worked together. Um, you know, what was that partnership like? And uh, you know, you know, how, how excited was he to have his last car panels on your car? Um, so I've always been a fan of Brock Beard's stuff. I, I think his his videos that he used to make with the starting grids, and um, also the videos that he made talking about all the field fillers, like. And it's funny because it's like a lot of people that I've gotten to know in person, like Andy Hillenberg and Carl Long and. Um, honestly, I consider them, you know, true veterans of the sport that that have really done it the hard way, and their stories aren't told so much. And I think Brock Beard doing what he does helps highlight those people. And uh, for me to be considered kind of in that realm to him is like somebody who's really trying to, to make it up there with, without much money. Um, I I appreciate that. And, you know, I never, never went ahead and asked him for uh, any type of partnership. But when he came to me and, and wanted to partner up again, uh, I, you know, was over the moon. And it's, it's really awesome to work with Brock always. And, um, you know, his he brings such a great journalistic approach to what we do, and uh, I think our sport is better with him in it. I know you've had some experience in the Xfinity Series on a road course. Is there any chance we could see on an oval at some point? Um, and, you know, has that been discussed at all? Uh, yep, the moment that Brett Bodine approves me, yes. <laughs> so my next question for you is, uh, you know, you, you've had some time now. Um, you know, you had the ARCA race a few years ago at the Glen, and now you're, you're running the NASCAR Xfinity Series. You know, what, what's it been like going up the ladder and, you know, running these different cars and then, you know, getting that experience that you've gotten? Um, I, it almost doesn't even feel like a ladder. It feels like a, like a trapeze. Just hoping I make it to the other side. Um, you know, it's really all about just finding the right opportunity because, you know, when you're not full-time, it's not like you can go to any team and be like, hey, I want to race for you for this year. You know, you have to kind of dig around and see what's going on and keep your ears to the streets, as I like to say, and uh, see what's going on and see if you can fit a, a hole better than, than someone else can and um, find the money at the right time. That's, that's really what it's about. I mean, I'm here – scrapping to just get as many starts as possible. So um, whether it be in truck or Xfinity or whatever it may be, as long as it shows a value to my partners, I can do it. You know, I, unfortunately, I can't just say, hey, I want to run this race, and then you know, I can find the money like that. You know, it's just you got to find the right opportunity. The, your partners have to agree on it, and, and hopefully I make the best of the opportunity every time I can do it. 
My last question for you is, uh, you know, with the off week coming up, uh, how are you going to spend the off week before, uh, you know, you're back on the road again? Um, honestly, it's just we've been on the road for for these last two weeks. We have not been home. Well, we stayed over from Portland to Sonoma. I haven't had much time to work on sponsorship and uh, getting back with the people I needed to get back to because we're at the track every single day working on cars. So now I have a little bit of time. That uh, today I'm doing my laundry, so that's today. And then uh, tomorrow maybe we'll hit the hit the emails and follow up and see if we can get some more sponsorship to run more races. Well, uh, Brad, let's let's talk about the guys back at the shop that that helped you. Get your car ready for race day. Um, so this uh, this last few weeks at, uh, from Portland to Sonoma, I mean, we were we were straight up six people working on two cars. I mean, it was uh, it was really uh, Nate Balls, my car chief, and Paul Clapper, the crew chief, and I'm usually me, him, uh, me, Paul, and Nate are the 53 team, and uh, Wayne Carroll and his son are, are the 35 team. That's usually it, and then we have. Uh, my old crew chief, Rick, um, go between two cars and, and help with a little side work. And and Scott Eggleston, being the competition director, kind of just, like, propping in and out, helping us change motors and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's the whole team. And um, we're, we're I mean, we're a hardworking bunch. I think it's it's pretty amazing to say that, you know, knock on wood, we haven't had really any mechanical failures this year, just very few um, just about made almost every race with both cars. I mean, the only races we missed were Coda in the with the 35 and uh, in Sonoma with the 35. The rest of that, we've made every single race. So I think it's – or actually minus Charlotte. But I just think that we have a hardworking group here, and I just think if, if we get some good breaks going our way and <laughs> stop with all the bad luck, we will be fighting near that top 25 owner's point position. And, Brad, let's talk about your sponsors there that helps you go round and round. Yeah, uh, Bone Steel Aerospace has been a really big supporter of mine, and uh, they recently came on this year. Um, also, Apex Coffee Roast is that beautiful um, blue and orange car that was on the racetrack this weekend. All thanks to Apex Coffee Roasters and Lou Creative for uh, for designing it. I mean, it, was, it won Paint Scheme of the Week for FrontStretch.com. Really proud about that. Um, you know, people love to see that car, and I love to see people like seeing that car. You know, I'd be about it, and um, just want everybody uh, to know that. Remember, when you support a business like Apex Coffee Rushes, you're supporting my racing directly. They always support people who support racing. Doesn't even matter if it's my sponsors or not my sponsors. You see anybody support racing, you support them, and you're helping what you love. If you're obviously listening to this right now, you love racing. Brad, is there any other industry that you'd rather be in than in racing? Uh, I love baseball. <laughs> I definitely, am, in another life, probably would, would love to be uh, part of, like, a front office for a baseball team or something. But, um, you know, I've I've been so deep in racing, and I feel like I've just immersed myself in it so much that, you know, I can't see myself really doing anything else at this point in my life. Exactly. You know, it goes back to when we got to spend a little time at Darlington, you know, the kind words that y'all had and and us bringing y'all on to be able to highlight your sponsors. Man, we appreciate everything you do. And, and Brad, tell everybody where they can follow you, keep up with your season. Um, mainly I'm on Twitter. I'm big tweeter. Um, Brad X Perez, Brad the letter X Perez at uh, on Twitter. 
And uh, also on Facebook, Brad Perez Racing, I post on there quite a bit too. And then Instagram is uh, Brad, U-H Brad. Once again, we appreciate you spending time with us. I know you've had a busy two weeks, but thanks for spending a little time with us. Looking forward to seeing you at the racetrack again, my friend. No, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for having me on. Hey, appreciate it, everyone, for... Stopping by. Hey, wasn't a live guest, but we're alive, I guess. Till Monday morning, guys. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there.